here we go. Y'all ready for the word? Get your heart ready? Let's go let it go in. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to Jesus, stood up to Jesus, to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked. Well, you know a lawyer would just do that, wouldn't he? Okay. Did you catch that? An, an expert in the law. You know, that's an expert in, in God's law, but you know it also in man's law. Uh, anyway. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, Jesus said, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, who, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and, and went away leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. When he saw the man, he passed on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place, saw him and passed by the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where, where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him and went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring, oil and, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey Brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when, he retur- and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell in the hands of the robber? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So this expert in the law came to Jesus and said, how do I inherit eternal life? It's a good question. And Jesus, look how he immediately responded. Back in verse uh, 26, what is written in the law? What's he saying? What does my word say? What does the word say? I want to encourage you, when you get to a question in your life, What does the Word say? Jesus himself is saying, what does the Word say? And how did he respond? He knew the Word. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus immediately responded, good answer. Do that, and you'll receive eternal life. But then it immediately goes on in verse 28 or verse 29 and says, but he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, so who is my neighbor? How many times do we we get ourselves in a pickle and maybe we would even take the word of God and try to make it into what works for us? This man, knowledgeable in the law, is trying, it says here, he's trying to justify himself. He's trying to make the word work for him, not him work under the authority of the word. However, to his credit, he asks Jesus. And that is always the right thing to do. When we take the Word and we're studying the Word and we're chewing on the Word, you know, it says to meditate on the Word. And you know that word meditate means to chew on it like a cow chews on cud. You know what cud is? Cud is something that, the, that a cow has ate. 
and he regurgitates it back up to chew on it a little bit more. And that's kind of a nasty picture, but it's not when you, when you take it as the word. That we take that word in, and then we need to bring it back up a little bit and chew on it a little bit more. What exactly did it mean? There's a little bit more nutrients in there that I didn't quite get out of it what I needed. And what did, the law, what did this man of the, of the law say? He brought it to Jesus. This is the way I see it. How do you see it? And it's such a good thing in our walk that when we're questioning how we're walking out God's word, ask him. He will tell you. Scripture tells us that the Holy Spirit will lead you and guide you into all truth. But we've got to seek him. We've got to seek him. I find this so interesting that, that this, uh, this man knowledgeable of the law was trying to turn it his way, yet he still sought Jesus in it. And Jesus gave him the answer, didn't he? He gave him a whole story about, about uh, someone that was beaten and robbed. But as, as, as the, the, uh, the, the man of the law wanted to justify himself, so many times we interpret Scripture our way. Let's don't interpret it our way. Let's interpret it the Holy Spirit's way. The lawyer, this, this man of the law, I want to call him a lawyer. He's not a lawyer. He's, a, he's a, a, a man that has studied the law. He's trying to find where the limits to his love is. When he says, okay, love my neighbor as myself, well, who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? He's trying to find out what limits to his love. Who can I say is not my neighbor and I don't have to love? Right? Who's the one I don't have to love? How many of us have asked that? What duty, what duty do I have to, to my love? But while, the, but while this man argues over a definition, Jesus teaches that love is not a matter of theoretical discussion, but it's of practical demonstration. Love acts. Love is a verb. Love does. Professional religionists, as we see here, mentioned in display by the priest and the Levite, could argue this point. However, the Samaritan, even though he was despised as a man of a mongrel race and of a polluted religion, is commended because he did not theorize, he acted. He saw the need and he moved. And it didn't just say he moved, it says that he moved with pity. He moved with compassion. He was genuinely moved. Right? One thing to notice is that there is a distinct racial strain between Jews and Samaritans. They normally did not interact with one another, and in some cases there was outright hostility and hatred for each other. But Jesus, early in his ministry, taught the Samaritans the truth about the Word of God. You remember the woman of Samaria that he encountered? But here's a parable. Here in this parable, help did not come from family. Help did not come from friends. 
Help did not come from the same culture. It came from the despised Samaritan. And one of the greatest tragedies of prejudice is that it may separate someone from their potential source of assistance. Prejudice can keep us from receiving a blessing that God's wanting to bless us with. How many of you know God does not bless you the way you think he's going to bless you so many times? It does not come the way I think it's going to come. And it comes from the most strange places and from the most strange people. I don't mean strange people. I mean strange circumstances. But yet it comes. But we can miss it. We can miss that blessing. But on the flip side, had the Samaritan not helped that man, he would have missed a blessing. Not only do we miss receiving a blessing, but we miss giving a blessing. And do you know it's that God desires us to bless people? God is talking here about what the Samaritan did. How he acted. It says that the compassion of the Samaritan was all the more commendable because of the person he assisted. Because under normal circumstances, he probably wouldn't have even spoken to him. Jesus came to break down those divisions. Those divisions that we as Christians have with other religions, with other denominations. Take it so far as to, to people that serve other, other gods. That's how drastic this move was. It was right for the Samaritan to show love. That we can show love to Buddhists. That we can show love to atheists. Not that we can, that we should. Jesus came down to break down those divisions. He didn't come for the ones who had it all together. He came for the ones that didn't. I've got, I've got somebody that I, I'm, uh, I'm friends with, had lunch with this week. And uh, come to find out, somebody, it's a pastor in our town, somebody he was hanging out with he didn't realize was a Buddhist. Actually, is his neighbor. I thought, praise God. Not praise God they're a Buddhist. Praise God they're your neighbor. Not that we're threatened by what might happen, but, we're, but, but Satan's threatened by what might happen. And you know, this, this individual, this, this man is ministering to him. And you know, someone gave him a tip on how to minister to him. Uh, he, has, he has an Indian Christian. Uh, he's been traveling to India. And, and what a connection. He might have been just traveling to India just so he could reach this Buddhist neighbor. And he said, do you know how to reach him? Reach him with food. Amen. They, the wall, the, this, the, these, uh, this Indian country that he uh, went to told him the walls will come down if you give him the right kind of food. So what did this pastor start doing? Started giving him food. And sure enough, the walls come down. Now, they've not converted, but, you know, we're, we're, we're walking this thing through. This pastor's job is not to save them. It's to give him the word. Jesus will save them. But it's our job to give them the bread. 
But what would we do if we're, oh, oh, they're a Buddhist. Let's don't go see them. No. No. No, we give them bread. Did you notice that, that, that when Jesus gave the parable, what he did? He threw the question back to the man. He said, he threw the question, but he changed his emphasis. It wasn't who was the neighbor. It was who proved to be the neighbor. Love doesn't consider the worth of, the, of its object, but it responds to the human need. Love is proved. Blake, if you've got that picture, can you put that up for us? This is our church stuffing bags for boxes for Avery Trace. Now, that looks good and fun. That was two hours worth of work right there. Last time it took them six hours. This, this, year it took, this time it took them two. Why? Because they've gotten efficient. They've gotten good. They've learned how to work together. And let me tell you, they put the work in. For who? The hurting. The families that are falling apart. The families that have nothing. And they're, they're taking it over to the school and really to get nothing, no, no accommodation at all. Just here. We want to feed you. What I saw, it, you know, as I was studying this scripture, this backpack program, this is true love. Nobody's getting paid. Nobody in that picture is getting paid. They are getting paid, by the way. You just don't know it. It came with work. It came with cost. It came with time. It came with sweat. That's love. Um, you guys that went and, and volunteered at Avery Trace for a family night, I know there wasn't much of a turnout. That's okay. We're not responsible for the turnout. We're responsible for help holding this community together. And bless y'all for being there. Bless y'all for being there. You know, the scripture that we've just read also emphasizes the worthiness of the object of love rather than the attitude of the one who's doing the loving. I want to read you one more scripture, and I'm going to kind of jump the gun because I feel like I'm going to stay here in Luke chapter 10 and 11 for a while, but let's jump to Luke eleven thirty-seven. 37. If you've got your Bible, just flip the page. This is actually the New Living Translation. It says, as Jesus was speaking, one of the Pharisees invited him home for a meal. So we went in and took his place at the table. Verse 38. His host was amazed to see that he sat down to eat without first performing the hand-washing ceremony required by Jewish customs. Now, my wife would have a fit, but we're not talking about washing the hands cleanly. We're, this is a ceremony that, that was washing uh, spiritually. However, there was probably some uh, natural cleaning happening also. Uh, but then the Lord said to him, You Pharisees are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you're filthy, full of greed and wickedness. Fools, didn't God make the inside as well as the outside? So clean the inside by giving gifts to the poor, and you will be clean all over. Wait a minute. How do you get clean all over? Giving gifts to the poor. Go back to the Facebook page, Blake. You know what's happening? This church is getting cleaned up in the inside. I'm not, uh, 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 
you know, you know what Satan wants to do? He wants to come and take. And he's wanting to take right now to where I'm feeling like I'm almost commending this church. No, 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 no. That's not the intention. This was, this was a move by a woman in this church in love and in a need. And we're meeting that need. But that word just told me that if we'll give to the poor, we'll clean the inside of the cup. I love that. Right here he's talking about cleaning the inside of the cup. How do you clean the inside of the cup? Give. That person laying on the side of the road, give. Don't find out what you've got to get out of it. Go give. If you're worried about what you're going to get out of it, the pat on the back's the only thing you're going to get. If you'll just give, God will give to you. So many times we get hung up with the form, the process, the law, and we miss the heart. That's what happened here when the Pharisees were saying, why did you wash your hands? The Lord's saying, that's not what's important. You missed it. The important thing is the heart. We've got to realize that only total love for God can empower us to rightly love ourselves and love our neighbor. Total love for God. Believe, I believe here in this church the Lord is calling for us to really, really turn to him. Really turn to him. We've got such a great opportunity to turn to him. Turn to him in the word. Turn to him in the church by serving. Turn to him to your neighbors around you. You know, you know how it says scripture tells us that people will know we're, our, we're Christians? Not by us preaching to them. They'll know we're Christians by our love. You've heard me say, people don't care what you know until they know that you care. How many people that you work around know you care? If they don't know, I want you to know, we have a call of God right here to go to all nations and show our love. People have turned off to God. People have turned off to the church. Why? Because we treat them horribly and then we give them a track. Who wants that? Who wants that? Let's pray together. Father, I just ask you to help us to turn our hearts. Change our hearts, Lord. We need a heart change. Lord, it's obvious that that the way that we do things doesn't work. But I thank you that your word says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct our path. I thank you, Lord, that our path is, is, you are just waiting for us to be led in the right step. You can't wait for us to take the right step. But that's a step of trust. And that's a step of turning. 
lean not on your own understanding. Lean not on your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge Him. I thank you, Lord, that we're turning to you. No more playing a church game. No more playing a marriage game. No more playing a husband game. Lord, I turn no more playing a daddy game. Lord, I turn my heart to you and look to you for, for wisdom and how to raise my kids and how to be the husband to my wife and how to lead this church and how to be a man of this community. In all my ways, I acknowledge you. Thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Before we dismiss, Miss Elizabeth would like to come up for just a, just a moment. tell y'all last week, um, I think it was last week, I'd come home for lunch and um, whenever I get home I always run upstairs because our little dog Chili, who a lot of you people know, he greets everybody at the house and I'm screaming no most of the time because <laughs> he likes to jump on people. But um, anyways, little Chili, his little kennel's up there. So I went to go get Chili out and when I went up there, the door, the the door of the kennel was wide open and there sat Chili in his little kennel but his door was wide open and you know I looked at him and I said well you can come out we, we didn't lock him up but he had gone and sat in there and so sure enough I, I thought about it um, but I had stuff to do I was going to quickly um, you know fix some lunch and I was working on my little Bible study while I was eating my lunch, and Chili was on his little bed down in the family room, and every now and then I'd look at him, and I kept thinking about him in that kennel with the door wide open. And I kept doing my Bible study, and finally I thought, well, this is so significant to me that I'm just going to ask you, Lord, what do you want to say about that? What do you want to say about Chili in his kennel with the door wide open? And you know, when I said that, the thought immediately dropped in my spirit that, you know what, he did the right thing when nobody was looking. He did the right thing. He knew exactly what he was supposed to be doing. And when we're not home, he's supposed to be in that kennel. So he went and he did the right thing. And he went and he sat in that kennel until I came home and invited him to come out. And you know what, I want to encourage you tonight as we're talking about this stuff, do the right thing when nobody's looking. You know, as the Lord leads you to give some woman you don't know at the grocery store $10, well, do that when nobody's looking. And when the Lord leads you to stop and pray for somebody, do that. And it doesn't matter that nobody sees it. Because I want to encourage you that God sees it. He's looking. And He knows. And He's given us those opportunities. And I just believe that it moves him. Every time you hold that baby in that nursery, every time you help an elderly person, every time you come and stuff a box full of food or whatever it is you're doing, dropping money in the offering so that some kid could have some extra food, whatever it is he's leading you to do, I want you to know nobody needs to see it, but God sees it. He sees it. He sees it. And I just, I just thank you, God, that you're seeing it and your, your hand is on us and you bless, you bless us. Thank you, God.
Thank you. Amen. Well, we're done praying on Tuesdays, but I want you to know we've been praying for you. Been praying for your situations, been praying for your family, been praying for your health, been praying for your finances. I want you to know, turn your heart to God. God is ready. God is ready to bless you. Amen? Amen. Well, God bless you. You're dismissed. You guys have a great night. We'll see you Sunday morning, 8.15 and 10.30. Invite somebody. Bring somebody to church. God bless you.